I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And this episode is brought to you by Bananagrams, game grown and picked by Bananagrams. They are a small run family board games company based in Rhode Island, USA, and their crazy little family of Bananagrams aspires to help people everywhere rediscover a love for tabletop games. Shout out to Bananagrams. Well, shout out to Bananagrams and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. After the break, we will be talking about Shutter Island, the Martin mm-hmm. Scorsese. Leonardo DiCaprio, 2010 film, psychological mindfuck of a film. An intelligent film. An intelligent film. We'll talk all about that after the break. But Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Because of the sponsor today, I wanted to say that last year, you know, we did the Too Fast, Too Forever toy drive. And so I would like to do that again this year. If you were kind of involved last year, the idea is just, you know, buy some Fast and Furious toys and donate them to a local toy drive. I'll be doing that here. I'll buy a bunch of, you know, Fast and Furious fun time toys I find on Amazon and make sure that we hopefully bring in the new generation of Fast and Furious fans. Yeah, so we used Patreon money last year. We'll use Patreon money again this year. If you want to do the same thing out there, you can do two things. Either number one, if you want, you can like PayPal or Venmo one of us and we yeah. can just edit our thing. Or if you want to just donate to your local toy bank or toy drive uh, just take a picture of what you're doing and let us know and we can share it on social but last year you know we bought a handful of toys and it was pretty cool yeah i think so too i think it's it's like the it's the best way to i'm, I'm gonna try to find like a charity this year I, i'm like looking i have some ideas and i was thinking of finding like you know a specific demographic of charity this year where where i'll take them but i'll do some more research on that until then i'm just gonna buy some toys and like i said yeah i recommend you guys do the same and if you want to contribute to mine you're welcome to do that too like a specific charity like drifters without dads yeah <laughs> yeah no I, w- I wanted it to, to be more timely than just like some random church i was i was looking for like you know maybe i have a lot of hispanic churches around me maybe there's like you know a generation of like younger hispanic kids that aren't big fast and the furious fans yet so that's what i was that's that was where my my mind was going. I like that you said that they're not fans yet. Like, one day we'll get them. Just not yet. They just don't know about it yet. I mean, is is there really any other option in the world? There's a time before you were a driver, and a time after you drive. You better not be wearing a shirt right now. That's all I know. <laughs> what else have you been up to, aside from planning the uh, toy drive once again? I was watching a lot of shitty TV and stuff, but I have something that I want to talk to you about. Oh, um, like, food-wise, Rachel's making some s'mores cookies tonight. Like, I saw S'mores cookies online today, and I'm, like, okay. jonesing for them. Insomnia cookie, you know what this is, right? Do you have any of these around you? Insomnia cookie is, like, this chain, and they're usually, like, around college campuses, and they just sell cookies and, like, ice cream, and it's, like, a stoner place. Oh, no. I mean, there's there's a cookie place that's, like, 25 minutes from me, but I was, I've was i never lived within delivery distance, and I don't yes. know that you can pick up, and so I'm, I'm aware of the type of place, but I and do not. And it's open really late. Insomnia cookies open till like, 2 or 3 a.m. Anyways, I used to live really close to one when I lived in downtown New Haven. They make these really awesome s'mores cookies, and I was just, like, dreaming about them, so we're going to make some s'mores cookies tonight. I also am going to have one of my favorite meals ever, which is just giant Alaskan king crab legs tonight. Very cool. Very, very cool. So I got those in the freezer. Yeah, they're, like, one of my favorite things. Our local fishmonger always has them. But the main thing that I've been up to for the past couple days, I was sitting there thinking, I don't know what I was reading or, like, what I was, like, scrolling through on social media. I'm in bed. You know, it's late. And all of a sudden, I was like, you know what? I don't know fucking anything about mining and gemstones at all. 
They're not rocks, Marie. They're minerals. I don't know anything about anything. I studied a lot of science, but like never like natural science or like geology, right? The past couple of nights, I've been spending hours watching videos about mining diamonds, how they're processed and how they're graded, where they come from and the mines, the the story, historical stories about cursed diamonds. That is so, I not I was gonna say that's so weird, but like it's not, but it is, but like that's not at all where I thought that sentence was gonna wind up when you started it, what I've been up to today. No, me neither. But like my brain was just like, dude, like, okay, okay. The hardest material on earth is diamond, right? But they cut the diamonds. So how did they cut the diamonds? Well, with a laser? Well, you can do a little bit of lasering, but mostly they like shine and polish them with diamond dust from other cut fucking diamonds. And I was like, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. But like, I think I, saw... I do that too. I think, I guess I know a lot about diamonds. But like, do you know what it like looks like? It's like, it's like a fucking turntable that you just put the diamond on, sand the edge off of it. And I was just like, I just wanted to see like all the tools and stuff. And like, you just like super glue this bitch to like a stick and you just put this thing down. It's crazy. I'm not fascinated with gemstones. Like, I don't want to go like buy bling now. Right. But like, I think that gems and minerals and stuff are very fascinating. Just like how the earth made them. Right. And like, I get the whole like morality behind the diamond industry, but I just want to see like, how the fuck are they like mining these things? And they just like have these huge trucks and like huge fucking grinders and cranes and shit. And it's just, it was really interesting. So that's what huh. I've been up to. Okay. I let's see, what have I been up to? I've been reading a lot, trying to catch up to my year end goal, which I'm not gonna hit, but I'll get close. Okay. Nobody has ever emailed in about books, so I'm not going to talk about books here. <laughs> I watched a new Fincher movie on the weekend, and it's really well made and I just don't give a shit about it. I'm sorry, oh. Mank. It's, I, you're going to hate it. I don't even know if you're going to finish it, to be honest. If you have not okay. watched it yet, I don't know that yeah. you're, like, I would just, just skip it. Thank you. I appreciate those recommendations a lot, actually. You know my taste, man. We've watched so many movies together. You have a pretty good gauge of whether or not I'm going to finish something. So. Yeah, like, it's good, and it's beautiful to look at, and Amanda Seyfried in it is better than I've ever seen her, but I just, I don't care. And, like, it's less about the writing of Citizen Kane than the more about the, like, socio-political, economic, and climate of mm. Los Angeles in the 30s, and, like, you don't care about that. You're not going to want to see that. On a scale of me and Orson Welles, <laughs> how, how many how many uh, spacings would you give it? It's not even on the same scale. It's just, it's so wildly, radically different. It, me and Orson Welles, like, me and Orson Welles is not a good movie. It's just no. Zac Efron and it being whatever. But this is, it's a, it's a great movie that I just, you know, if you want to see art, if you want to see a new Fincher movie or a Fincher completist, go watch it. But like, if you saw it and you're like, I don't care about that, you're probably right. <laughs> It makes sense. That's That sucks when that happens, but I get it. <laughs> I also watched three movies since we last recorded that I oh. will mention quickly. I watched Freaky, that Fri Freaky Friday body oh, yeah, swap yeah. where a serial killer. We bookmarked it. Was it good. It was... I feel like it, it could have been way worse, but it should have been better. It's the guy who made it is the guy who made Happy Death Day, which is one of my favorite movies. Of, like, not even just favorite horror movies, but favorite movies. Yeah. Rachel said that this production company is, like, the one that makes all of these kind of campy horror movies that we watch a lot of. Like, I oh, didn't Blumhouse? know... Blumhouse? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, like, Blumhouse has been around... Like, we yeah. talked about Blumhouse. You and I have talked about Blumhouse a lot. We, I know, I just always forget it, and she she mentioned it. She was like, oh, it's by Blumhouse. Like, look, this is... And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, I know this name, but, like, I never pieced together what Yeah, but it is. Blumhouse, like, it's not a sign of... It's not really a sign of quality. Like, their whole thing is volume. Like, they make a lot of movies inexpensively, and they just hope that one hits. Like, oh, they right. broke through because they did Paranormal Activity, which turned, like, I don't know, half a million dollars into, like, $115 million or whatever. Like, yep. they just do 15 or 20 movies a year that all cost $5 million, and chances are one of them is going to make enough money to make it all back. 
And so they put out like a, a series of four movies on Prime earlier this year. They're really prolific. And some of their stuff is really good and some of the stuff's not really good. And I think that's just, you know, How true of horror in general. But like, yeah. as opposed to like Annapurna, who doesn't put their name on bad things, like even H24 is mostly good, but not always good. Like Blumhouse is not necessarily an indication of anything other than like it's new modern horror aesthetic kind of. But overall, good, not great. It's fun. Vince Vaughn, when he's acting like a 17-year-old high school girl is a lot of fun, and there's cool kills in it, but just overall for what I was kind of hoping for, because I had heard, I don't know, maybe it's one of those things that I had heard from, like, people who don't watch horror movies, like, oh, this is actually pretty good. It's like, well, you know, if you're into horror, maybe not. I don't know. Did you have your pinky up when you said that? Yeah, of course. Then I watched Black Bear, which is the Arby Plaza movie, which I don't know that you're... You might... mm, I loved it. I thought it was really, really great. What's this movie with Aubrey Plaza and Kristen Stewart that was coming out? Somebody was just talking about it in a tweet, and I was like, when were they together? And I thought you would know if it was a movie, but it's maybe... Oh, she's in Happy... I didn't know that Aubrey Plaza was in Happy Season. That's out on Hulu right now. That's an LGBT... It's a a queer Christmas movie that's out on Hulu right now. Oh, that's Like, Aubrey Plaza is not the star, I don't think. She's just in it? Maybe she is. She's like, it's an ensemble, but it's like, it's Kristen Stewart and someone else. I was going to watch it tonight, I think. Yeah, I didn't know she was in it, but I knew it was Kristen Stewart and... I think maybe Mackenzie Davis and Clea Duvall directed it. I know that. Like, I know a lot about it. I just didn't know that Aubrey was in it. But okay, cool. Yeah, it's like it's a buzzy, like queer Christmas movie. So it's on Hulu if you want to watch it, if you want to see her in something. But Black Bear is really good. It's just it's also really weird and very uncomfortable. Point. There's something that happens in the middle that like twists and warps things and. Really good. So I, I enjoyed okay. that. I don't know that I would recommend it to everyone. A movie that I watched last night called The Whistlers, which is on Hulu, mm. which is really good. It's a crime movie. It's about... There's a language, apparently, in the Canary Islands that has been passed down through the years. And I don't know if this is true or just in the world of the movie. Okay. feels like it's maybe true, where they communicate vowels and consonants through whistling. And so this movie is about them trying to break a guy out of prison, essentially, and get away with, like, $30 million, you know, communicating via whistling. And it's this foreign language crime thriller that like feels like nobody makes these kind of movies anymore so i really like that one too so that's on hulu if you have hulu that's free to watch there mostly in spanish and uh, romanian and then there's some in italian and some in english too but uh yeah good movie it's it's short it's like an hour 39 or something which is always always good Yeah. And then the other thing I want to point out, I've not seen it yet because it's not out yet, but by the time this comes out, Steven Soderbergh's new movie, which I do not know for the life of me the title of, will be out on HBO Max. So we did a whole run of Cinemakers, or we kicked off Cinemakers. Me and Mike kicked off Cinemakers with Tobin doing all the Soderbergh's movies. So, you know, he's one of the best living directors, and so new movie is uh, an event to see. You know, hopefully I like it more than the Fincher movie, but, you know. Hopefully. Fingers crossed for you. We'll find out. I think that's about it. I'm just, you know, watching lots of movies, watching lots of TV, reading lots of books, podcasts, all that sort of stuff. But year-end, got to make sure my lists are up to date so people respect me and believe. We have a Patreon page here in the show, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenen, Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of mm. High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all for supporting us at the $5 level or above. There's going to be some changes, exciting changes, we've been teasing this a little bit, coming to the Patreon page which we will detail next week on our tune-up relap recap. So stick around for that. Patreon people, I don't even know if they know about it. They know some of it, but we got some cool stuff coming over there. So TooFast2Forever.com. Also, we have a new URL for the store, TooFast2Forever.shop.shop. If you want to go there, just easy to do. Cost $3 for the domain, so breaking the bank on that one. 
nailed it. Also, we have not gotten any uh, reviews in a while, so if you want to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever Ooh, you listen, that do. would be cool. Always nice. We have an email just in the show, family at cageclub.me, and we have four emails, three quick ones and one longer one. Okay. So I'm going to send you two pictures on Facebook. These two pictures are from Hector. They are not car pictures. Okay. But they are something we've seen similar things of recently. Hector sent in, no subject, his top podcast on Spotify, number one, Too Fast, Too oh. Forever. And then his other ones look like they're all car ones, too. So he's oh, definitely Donut got Oh, Donut Media, that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Past Gas, the Cooldown Podcast, F1 Beyond the Grid, and Time with Attackers. So that's that. And then he sent the other picture, my biggest podcast binge. Streamed five episodes in one day of Too Fast, Too Forever. Because <laughs> I did this every day for the first three to four months of the year back when I was still catching up. So shout out to Hector yeah. for the binge and for the pictures. Very, very cool. That's very cool. You guys always cracked me up with this, man. I can't believe it. Still shocked. So yeah. thank you. Our next email from Jerry Robinson, subject line, good news. Okay. What up, Jerry? Hey, guys. It's true. Those Spotify numbers do not lie. So talking about Spotify with Hector, <laughs> also talking about Spotify with Jerry. Okay. Ileana and Adrian are both negative, And Sunday, good. we got to see each other after our trip. And it sucked because everything was closed. So it was a good time nonetheless. Good, good, good. I mean, the important thing is the negative testing. That's the most important thing. Way more important for me, yes. Says, Joe, too, there's a new 90-day fiancé, just a regular no before or after 90. Excuse me. I've already started it as well, sir. It is good. It's a it's a combination. There's some new ones. There's some new guests and some past guests. They kind of just do like an all-stars run at this point, as all-stars as you can get with people that want to be on 90 Day Fiance. We did watch the new episode because we were watching all of the I Love a Mama's Boy, which I also highly recommend. Great trash TV. It's good. It's 90 Day Fiance. It's all the same shit, but it's just like these people, this season looks promising because some of them are like already fighting before they arrive, and that's always like a good sign, right? Like if, you're, if your relationship like kind of in shambles before you try out to like be together that's always a plus always a plus there was like a really weird situation where like this mom was like like you guys can't stay in the same bedroom when you come here and he's like no she won't like that and like he's like a small boy right like i don't know he like seems like a small boy his mom's like well like are you guys using birth control at all and he's like no (laughs) his mom's like whoa Apparently, like, the running through line in this season is going to be, like, they possibly get pregnant every chance they can, right? So Very cool. I am uh, not at all interested in hearing how that continues, but I'm sure that I will on the show. I'll let you know. And our last email, so thank you, Jerry, for that. And our last email today is from Justin Kleiman, subject line, Chad Lindbergh, which by now everyone has heard his, I put the audio in the last episode, I put the video on Patreon and on our Twitter. If you have not seen that yet or not heard that yet, get it together. It was Listen, one of the coolest watch. things ever. Yeah, I, I sent it, like, as soon as we read it last email, I sent it, well, obviously to Rachel, because she wasn't. I sent it to her, like, as we were recording, and I sent it to, like, my friends and stuff, and I thought it was really, really cool. He says, I can't begin to tell you how excited I was to first receive that video and then to hear your reactions. I shared it with Haley and a few friends when I first got it, hopefully. Oh. Chad comes on the show for an episode because he seems genuine. I never expected to get a three-and-a-half-minute video. So great. Same. That's what we. That was like. That was like one of my biggest takeaways from it. Like, and when I watched it again, I was like, he does seem genuine. One of these like other uh, car video, maybe like Donut or something. They had Jesse's car from the movies. Like, you know, freaking Munez sold it. And so, like, they had it, or a replica of one, and they had him come on and talk about it, and he was just, like, so cool with them, too. So, like, I think he, from everything I've seen, he seems like a great guy. Yeah, and he also responded to us on Twitter. Yep. Uh, you know, because we said, because he said in the video, you know, I'm going to check out the show, I'm going to come on, we're going to talk about it, or whatever. And so we thanked him in the, in the little thread that we did, and then he responded to say, you know, let's do this. And I was like, cool. Tried to DM him. DM's not open. Couldn't slide into those DMs. No, because he's, like, a... He's... 
him. He's got like ninety five thousand followers. He's got a lot of followers. That's Twitter, what I mean. But I was yeah. just like, I was like, yeah, you know, we'd love to have you anytime. Happy to answer any questions you might have. Let us know. You guys should go bother. You guys should go gently nudge him on Twitter and tell him that. Mm, yeah, maybe. Or just, or just like the tweets. Like oh, the yeah. tweets and keep keep rising them to the top. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. I like that. In other news and notes, says Justin, along the lines of sad malls, when I'm on vacation, I always get sad when I see shuttered tourist traps. I always think to myself, behind those boarded up windows is a dream and mountains of debt. Yeah, and it's like a ski ball watermelon factory was a great idea and you're like no somebody's dad thought this was a great idea is what i always feel bad about right yeah i guess i love tourist traps though i mean and i'm not a dad it depends on what it is it's like every t-shirt shop on a boardwalk no you know the world's largest frying pan sure i'm in cool yeah that's my take on it. Thanks for watching all the Hobbs and Shaw deleted scenes, so I don't have to. The more time slides by, the more I dislike that movie. Also, Spider-Man 3, I almost walked out of the theater on that one. <laughs> well, big news. Oh yeah, everybody's back. We got Doc Ock back. We got Kirsten Dunst back. We got Andrew Garfield back. We got Tobey <laughs> Maguire back. Like Everybody's coming back for Spider-Man 3 in the MCU. So essentially, they're just reshooting Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Hopefully a better way than Spider-Man 3 originally was. It's so poignant now that they're that we just talked. It's like, I swear to God, like the universe listens to us. We said this before, but like we just did Spider-Man 3. And then this news Well, comes to be out. fair, there had been Spider-Man 3 news for several months leading up to that. It just feels like there's more like now. But not like Dr. Octopus, Tobey Maguire coming back news. Uh, well, they had, I mean, Toby, I think Tobey and Andrew Garfield, they had, they had been rumored for a while. That's not news. The Doc, o- the Doc Ock stuff and the Kirsten Dunn stuff is new, but the other Spider-Man, they've been circling around the Spider-Man drain for a while, since Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. So, like, they've been around, but yeah, the Doc Ock stuff is new, Kirsten Dunn stuff is new, it's all, again, the timeliness. Or, just, you know, we're very good at picking movies to cover at the right time. Yes, true. It's one or the other, for sure. Calibrating TVs, question mark? I had no clue what you guys are talking about. 15 years ago, when we bought our house, I wanted to have a nice TV for the first time. I went to Best Buy and got a 40-inch Samsung LCD with state-of-the-art 720p high def. Ooh. And it cost me $1,500. Wow. It's $100 a year so far. Good on Samsung, I guess, for making something that's still operating 15 years later. Yeah. Now all the new TVs, like, it's, like, deep in your menu settings, and you can change, like, all the color balances... And there's, like, special pictures you get. You know, oh, like, whenever you would get that, like, what is it, like, broadcast alert? What was this thing called? Oh, like the color bars. Yeah, it would be like, this is a report for, like, this is testing your, those color bars, that's the thing that you use to calibrate your TV. Well, also, I don't know if you know this, but every Criterion disc also comes with color bars. Oh, does it? Mm Mm-hmm. Because they probably want you to watch it in, like, the right color balance because it's a Criterion Collection movie. That makes sense. Yep. So everyone has one of those. And yeah, you can just you just make sure it looks pretty, right? Like it's usually pretty, like by default, it's not going to be bad, but it's just, you can make it better if you try to make it better. Because it's always like, yeah, you just like try to get it. So it's like, make sure that this red and this green is, is different. And like these two greens are different and these two blues are different. Yeah. Yeah, I spent my first HDTV I bought when was it, 2009 maybe? So 11 years ago now. So it's a little bit after Justin. It was a 32 inch 1200 1100 and that tv my sister might still have as like a bedroom tv that got replaced by a 46 inch that i got on wild discount when i worked at best buy because there was yeah. like this huge like rebate that i think i got that like for it was like a 2500 hundred dollar tv that i got between all sorts of different stuff for like 600 so the 46 replaced the 32 and then i got a 65 to replace the 46 
but the 46 is now my bedroom TV. The 65 I sold to my parents, yeah, because now I have the 75. I bought a 32 as a monitor this year for like a hundred dollars. Yep. You know, I spent twelve hundred dollars on the same thing that I can tell you was heavier and probably didn't look as good you know, 12 years ago. So time makes fools of us all. It does. It definitely does. You guys are very wrong on olives. Kids love olives. I will say, I didn't say, I said kids like olives. You said kids hate olives. I said kids like olives. I couldn't imagine that kids like olives. They're they're just such like a bitter, there's like, you know, it's a pickled flavor. Well, I guess kids like pickles, so. Kids love pickles. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Justin says they put them on their fingers and eat them. Didn't you? I know I did. Hank puts chopped olives on everything. And if there was nothing else on the table, he'd just eat them alone. I love them, but I, I don't think I liked them as a kid. Like, it's definitely not something... But, I mean, I don't know. Hank's just a more sophisticated kid than you were. He has a very sophisticated palette. That's for sure. We know that. I've never video gamed, but I was obsessed with The Matrix. I had all the comics they had special made, and somewhere, I have a DVD that someone made and sold me on eBay of all the cutscenes from Enter the Matrix. I think they probably also maybe possibly included it on a more recent release, but maybe not. Like, okay. I bought so many special edition releases of The Matrix. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Up until you started talking about Paris, Texas, I assumed that episode was going to be about Happy Texas with Steve Zahn. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think I know that movie. No, I don't either. I just like the idea that you were thinking it was something completely different. We're like, whoa. I, I think that's most of our episodes about anything. It should act like that. But, I mean, for people that do listen, it would be way different. Like, you guys are kind of used to our bullshit, whereas, like, you know, we had the thing of, like, you didn't even talk about this movie for an hour and a half. And you're like, yeah, sorry. That's what happens. Sad, but, you know, I'm sorry that we did not do Happy Texas, but it is what it is. I'm sorry. And that's the end of his email. So, Justin, thank you for writing in. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. If you want to email in family at cageclub.me, send us a note, and we will read it on air on the next episode, whenever whenever you send it in. We'll talk about it. You know, family, cageclub.me, you know. You know, you know the deal. Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. Have you seen any news that has come across your desk in the last couple of days? No, the only thing I saw was the Spider-Man stuff, but we already talked about that. Something we talked about recently that we were very excited about, Warner Brothers has pissed off the entire world uh, <laughs> in terms of... So Warner <laughs> Brothers, when they announced, because Warner Brothers is owned by AT&T, and Warner Brothers executives, John Stanky and the other guy, they were just like, hey, we're putting all these on HBO Max, cool. But they didn't ask anyone. So all these agents and directors and everybody were like, what? And so Christopher Nolan came out against it. Legendary is going to sue them. Um, there's like, you know, class action. Like there's all sorts of stuff that people are railing against Warner Brothers. As a consumer, it's great. I get stuff in my living room for free, right? It's awesome. Yeah. But for everybody who was like, hey, I was hoping to make some money on that you know, maybe not the best idea, but Probably awful. they're a big corporation. It's going to be fine. The way that our country is built, they're like, they're not going to lose this case. It's all going to, it's all fine. And like, this is very exciting still, but it's just funny how we were like, oh, this is the greatest thing. And then everybody who's like, has like a stake in it was just like, oh no, this is actually terrible. Like we hate this. Like, why didn't you ask us? <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. I saw somebody make a good point as we know how it always works that was like, if they were to do this, it's not like actors would make less money or directors would make less money. It would be like all the production hands and the people that we actually care about that should be making more money are going to get paid even less money. Well, no, they're all in unions. They're all going to, they're all, they all have set rates. They're somehow going to squeeze them, right? Like that's how it comes down. I honestly don't know. I think what's going to happen is that there's, they're just not going to do entire, like, I don't think those people are ever going to be hurt by this. I think it's more that like, there will be fewer projects for them to work on because there will either be $1 million movies or $150 million movies and everything in between just doesn't have a place to exist. And that's what people are worried about. I don't think a guy who is in a grip union who makes $30 an hour, $50 an hour or whatever, like doing key grip work on a set, 
I don't think he's ever going to be squeezed. Like they're never going. It's not like like that's another point in Mank where you're like, we got to cut everybody's salary by half. They're like, what? Uh, like I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's just like if they have always one after the other that was employed. Like if there's only like 400 or whatever, I don't know, just that's a bad number as an example. If there's like 40 productions in a year as opposed yeah. to 400 example, it's just there's less, there's more competition. But yes, that'll hurt them. But like yeah, salary wise, I don't think I I might be wrong, but I don't think I don't think that's an issue for them. I mean, you're right. Like the, the bigger picture, what you're saying is like Leo is still going to get his. Scorsese's yes. going to get his. That's what I'm saying. If anybody's going to get fucked, it's this. It's the little guy because that's how it always works, just down the line. And Brian was talking about this on a recent episode of Foodie Films with Kyle, but they're talking about how, you know, white male directors, and this is something we've talked about before, and we've talked about on other podcasts with me and Mike, and like, you know, white male directors are allowed to fail and redo a movie, but then, oh, yeah. you know, women or people of color, they're able to make a great movie and then not even have funding. Like, yep. why is Catherine Bigelow not making a movie every year? Like, why? It's just, it's all unfortunate, and like, they're the ones who get squeezed out. Yep. And Christopher Nolan's able to, like, kind of run his mouth. Ma- I mean, you know, not that he's wrong in this case. But he's able to do it because he knows that he will be able to make any movie he wants to make for the rest of time because he made Batman, right? So Exactly. It's just how it works, man. I think that's all the news, though. Again, not really Fast and Furious news. We've got Spy Racers coming in a couple weeks, which is oh, very yeah. exciting. As I'm re-watching Cross... Re- I guess watching for the first time, but re-experiencing Crossroads to talk about it with Nico and Kevo next week. Like, I made a note. I was like, oh, we haven't really seen them in the desert. I was like, oh, we're going to get Sahara in a couple weeks. So, like another connection there, fast connection of sorts between this and that. That's what I was thinking too when we were talking about the uh, the trailer. I was like, we're going to start to hit this like overlap where I'm wondering if they're pointing us at a direction of things that Nine are coming to because of coincidences like this. Because they both had of like had some kind of writer influence, right? I hope so. I think so. I mean, we'll, we'll find so. out in, in May, right? But... Yeah, we'll find out. All right, Joe, the final thing to do before we take a break is the Fast and the Furious Minute, our deleted scene. It's a quickie. I think it might be the shortest one we do. Deleted scene, Hector and Brian at the Racer's Edge. Yeah, man, I'm glad we didn't race that night. I heard I'd be awesome lunch money, huh? Yeah, you probably would. How's <laughs> that right? Yeah. So how's Dominique treating the rat? Oh, man, that's a long story. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I also heard Chad went psycho on that shit, huh? How'd you hear about that? Come on, homie. Words. They float in the air. Just right. float. Right. Right, right. So what do you need? So as you just heard, at the Racer's Edge, Hector and Brian talk about the movie's first race, Dom winning Brian's car, and Tran, quote, going psycho on the car. This is a weird dialogue scene. So this is cut, it's lifted entirely from the one scene that's in the movie still. Yeah, it seems like this is something that, like, Hector, they were like, oh, you know, improv, talk like car guys or something. Or, like, talk like you would to your boys in the street. And, like, they kind of improvise this, and it, it just, like, the conversation falls flat. It feels very acted. Right, 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 right. Right, right, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Words appear in the air, and you're like... I love that line, though. The float, like, that's great, but it's, it, there's a there, I think there's more words per minute or words per second, however you want to quantify it, in this scene than maybe any other point in the movie. Like, there are so much... You're right, So yeah. many words are said in these 20 seconds. Yeah, you're right. You Looking at it like that and looking at the document, you're right. There's, like, a lot of conversation. It's, like, overlapping, like, Brian's responding to Hector as Hector's talking, Hector's responding to Brian as he's talking. Like, it's, it's all... It feels natural but like it's also a 20 second scene that begins on dialogue and ends on dialogue and there isn't a moment to breathe in between so yeah yeah so rob cohen said he cut it because it stopped the flow of the movie and it referred to a scene that we've already seen which is the race between brian and dom this was the same scene where hector's like i need all this today tomorrow now right like yeah 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 white boys work fast you know what i'm talking about yeah what we see probably in the movie comes immediately after this because it seems like 
visually, Brian ends this by saying, what, like, what do you want? Like, what can I help you with? Whatever. But what did you see? Is there anything of note? Because, like, it's just, there's extras milling about in the Racer's Edge, but what did you notice here? Anything new that we did not catch in the actual movie itself? I was looking and counting, too, and you and I agree totally on the number of people that are there, but that store is fucking slammed for whatever day it is. The amount of foot traffic that's in there is crazy. There's six or seven people in there that aren't Hector and Brian. The thing, the coolest part about this, when I rewatch it this time, I looked back in minute 12, and we had said that Hector has a chain on, but we couldn't make out what was in the chain. This time, even though these videos are so much blurrier than the other ones, I think it's just like the angle that they use or something. Like, it's uncropped, so like you don't get as much of a shot of Hector's face. You see that he has a, an anchor as his charm. Oh, okay, very cool. Yeah, and like the way when he turned, I thought that it could be like two Chanel C's, and then I was like, oh, that's not of the times at all, though. I don't. I think that we're just before that era of like dudes wearing like Chanel fashion. C's at yeah, yeah, fashion classic fashion logos as logos. It's an anchor, just like a gold anchor, which I thought was pretty cool. I confirmed with Rachel. She said she's a, she agrees. So I was thinking, you know, the longer this lap goes with now all of these, like the three extra spy racers and with the video game and everything's going on, we've had a longer gap between the first movie and now. So like, I haven't seen, again, I've seen 80 yeah. times, like 18 times maybe for this podcast, right? Like seven laps and like yeah. 11 times or whatever we did the minute. Like we've seen yep. it a ton of times, but I haven't seen this scene in five months maybe right like a while right so yeah, like a while yeah in my mind's eye this scene starts more toward brian as the camera sort of inches toward hector and i think in the movie the camera's more toward hector so it makes more sense that we have like the view of his chest yep it's kind of like slowly dollying ish around the store over the span of like the 45 seconds because like we have 20 seconds here and then i remember in the movie like the scene feels a little rushed like a little chopped like i just like get it done which yes, yes. fits, but it's also like, oh, there's, it explains why there's more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Anything else that you found? Anything else of note? No, I, I mean, we, we documented all the stuff that's in the store as much as we can see in a much crispier version. Refer to minute 12 for, like, the actual things. Well, then, if we have nothing else to talk about, let's take a break and then let us come back and talk about the intelligent film that is Shutter Island. Episode number 151, Shutter Island. This episode is brought to you by Bananagrams. Addictively simple and simply addictive, Bananagrams is the fast and frantic word game enjoyed by millions. Shout out to Bananagrams. Shout out to Bananagrams and Anagrams in general, and welcome back to the show, Shutter Island. So, okay, so I, I don't want to apologize up front. I've been a little, I've been dragging this a little bit on Twitter. yes. And I have explanations. Yes. I don't don't dislike this movie. I'm going to say that right off the bat. I don't think this is a bad movie. I don't dislike it. I just think that this is the kind of movie that like bros in college are like bro. A hundred percent what I was going to say to bruh. you, my friend. Bruh. Yes. Continue. Shutter Island. Bruh. Like, it's, bruh. Shutter Island. It's It feels to me like one of these movies. This was a great Korean film that film people knew about. And then they made an American version, and college frat bros were like, bro, 
this movie, though. And you're like, yeah, it's just this other movie. So number one, I love. So this is directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo obviously Di- like, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Like I love that they both kind of, for lack of a better term, are kind of slumming it in otherwise like genre kind of things. Like we talk, you know, we've talked recently a couple times about Michael Douglas. Like Michael Douglas is a huge action, like a huge movie star, but like kind of feel like he made his name in stuff like this. Like this yeah, feels. Yeah, yeah kind of in, i don't i don't want to you know make fun of the genre because i love it but like this kind of feels like the movie that's below both of them like it feels <sighs> kind of like a trashy thriller it's a blockbustery thriller is what it is but that's like i think it's blockbustery because they're involved like this feels like the kind of movie that mark ruffalo would be the star not the co-star mm. and no and no shade to mark ruffalo like he's, he's also a huge actor but it feels like it's like like leonardo dicaprio just feels like I'm surprised that they're on board. Like I like even knowing Scorsese directed this, like there was early in the movie, I'm like, wait, who directed this? Oh right, like that of course. But like Are you, are you equating this to like De Niro's like analyze this, analyze that sequence of his acting career? Is that what well, you're saying? Well, no, because I think that's a different thing, or like the Fockers. Like I think that's yes. him trying to tap into a new thing this feels like leo and scorsese trying to elevate a thing they might want to just sort of steer clear from i don't know like i don't (laughs) and again i like the psychological thriller i like genre stuff i like thriller and horror and sci-fi more than just about anything but like it still just surprises me that one of the biggest actors (laughs) of our generation and one of the greatest directors of all time were just like yeah, like, let's adapt this Dennis Lehane novel, because, like, I was talking to my friend Bob about it last night, yeah. and he was saying it's based on Dennis Lehane novel, and he wrote, like, Gone Baby Gone, and he wrote Mystic River, which, spoiler for both of those, uh, are both about, like, child molestation and evil men in Boston. And it's like, yeah. I don't know how, like, this guy, who, like, that's his hallmark, like, wrote this that's, like, kind of that, but no child molestation, just, like, dead kids. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a Stephen King adaptation. And, like, again, no shade to Stephen King, like, the best-selling author maybe ever. It's of a certain kind that you're like, why is why is Scorsese doing this? I think that what you're describing, maybe, they did something that's so accessible, it almost feels cheap. Possibly. I also think it's just, like, the fact that it's, like, an adaptation of, like, a pulpy thing. I really like this movie, because I do like thrillers. But this feels like the most Hollywood version of a thriller. In the acting and the casting, but also just, like, in the way it's shot, this is, like, baby's first thriller, or thriller for dummies, right? I'm like, why does this movie, not, like, rub me the wrong way, but, like, why a movie that I theoretically should really like, with an actor that I really like, and a director I really like, and a genre I really like, why doesn't this do it for me and i feel like part of it is that this came out way too fucking late in the game the fact that this came out in 2010 like if this was like oh this came out in 97 like oh yeah this is this is great the fact that we have had so many thrillers that are almost literally this twist where it's like (laughs) the unreliable narrator it's like yeah no shit of course the movie tells us he's crazy he's seen people the entire movie like (laughs) when we get to the letterbox game there are so many people are like bro my mind was fucking blown. It's like, yeah, I picked it up from the trailer. Like, what do you expect <laughs> from this? No, I see. See, I go in with like a nice suspension of disbelief. I was more torn between like, which version of this is real? Not that like, he's crazy and this is happening, but also like, could it possibly still be that he's not crazy. Oh no, he's he's crazy. Like, he's, that's crazy. Crazy. he's crazy. The movie's the whole like, movie's, yeah, he's crazy. But I think that I've watched like enough thrillers that like, I, I sometimes I watch more simple ones like this that's like he's crazy he's crazy he's crazy and i'm like 
but maybe he's not. <laughs> like, yeah, but that, this, this movie, like, all, like, quite literally is never like, hey, maybe he's not. It's like, no, he's crazy. Like, we're telling you, like, he's Oh, seen I know. Him. Yeah, I, I know. The fact that people are just like, I never saw that. And it's like, well, how do you not see the ending coming? Like, it's telegraphed the entire way, and, like, they reveal a twist with, like, 40 minutes to go. What's the twist that they reveal with 40 minutes to go? He breaks into the lighthouse, and Ben Kingsley's there. He's like, hey, man, we tried this, but you're crazy. We gotta lobotomize you. Like, with, like, 35 minutes to go, it's like, that's the reveal. It's like, the previous 90 minutes, it's like, yeah, he's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's the other thing. Here's the other um, way that I would maybe like this. Like, even, you know, independent of here. So there, and I'm going to spoil a book that became a movie, but there is the book by Chuck Palahniuk called Choke. Yes. Have you read Choke? Do you know about Choke? I have seen the movie of Choke, okay. and I think I've read, like, I think I read it. I think I read it. Because it was, for a long time, my, probably my favorite book. Like, I got into Palahniuk with Invisible Monster. If people don't know the name. He wrote Fight, he wrote Fight Club. That became yes, Fight Club. Yes, he wrote Fight Club, yeah. Invisible Monster is the first book of his that I read. I love that. That's one of my favorite books. I read Choke, which I think I might like even more. But Choke is about a sex addict who, like, to earn money, he fakes his own death, uh, has people save his life, and they feel so beholden to him that they give him money, and, like, he just gets by from that, whatever. There's also a thing in here where he's trying to reconnect with his mom, who's in a nursing home, doesn't remember who who he is, whatever, kind of fits in our theme, whatever. Yes. But there is a reveal in that book and in that movie, and this is the spoiler, that by the end of the movie, you have Kelly McDonald... Uh, this adorable nurse that you've been following, like sort of what seems like her, his mom's primary care physician, yes, that, or doctor or nurse, whatever. I, I just made a note uh, in Shutter Island where it's something that we just saw in a deleted scene that we talked about recently with Brian and Mia, where you know he's like, "You said to be a nurse." She's like, "You know, okay, sex is grease monkey, whatever." Because at one point, Leo says to um, Patricia Clarkson, "Like, uh, you're studying to be a nurse. You were a nurse." And she's like, "No, I was a doctor. You sexist pig." Like, just like. <laughs> The same kind of thing, just thought it was pretty funny. Yes, very true. Very but Kelly McDonald's either playing a doctor or a nurse or whatever uh, this whole time, and you like she's like, you know, your mother's not getting better. We're gonna have to move her upstairs or whatever, and like, and then like at the end of the movie, the end of the book, like a patient bracelet like slips down her arm, and you're like, oh fuck, she's been crazy the entire time. Like she's in here just like my mom, and like they're yep. like letting her act this out because like it keeps her calm. Like that reveal is great i think because you're not seeing the movie through her eyes yeah like here in shutter island you're seeing leo i don't know what to believe but it's like we know like we're, we know that he's an unreliable narrator and like it just is inherently less interesting i don't know that this movie works another way but i feel like if there's another like a sort of a side character who was like oh that person's great like that that reveal if you follow mark ruffalo the whole movie and then you reveal that he's a doctor and leo's crazy I think, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so, because I also think that you could do a kind of thing where, like, you leave breadcrumbs, like a trail of breadcrumbs that, like, because Mark Ruffalo is playing a part in this, right? He's like, I'm I'm this guy's detective's partner or whatever, and I, whatever, and then he just eventually is like, no, man, like, I'm, you know, a doctor here on staff. We tried to let you work your shit out, and it didn't work, so, like, sorry, man. But, like, (laughs) you could do it from his perspective, but, like, you also don't cast Leo and not have him be the star, so I don't know. It feels like a flawed premise, I think, from the beginning in that way fair that's totally fair like it's not bad like i don't think this is a bad movie and there's nothing i can point to and be like that's not good because all the pieces work yeah it's just very obvious and like way too late in the game in terms of like because you were saying when we did spellbound if she was crazy it was the shutter island twist there you'd be like holy shit like this is 1945 that's amazing exactly agreed yes but this is not the game in 1997 where there's like an earth shattering <laughs> twist like this is 13 years later <laughs> which in movie time is enormous like what are you guys doing <laughs> i don't know man i think that see the thing that i respect about it is it feels like leo and scorsese were like watching a movie like spellbound 
hey, let's fucking do that. But then she's crazy. And they're at such a, a prestigious point in their careers that they could just do whatever. It's like the Tarantino thing where like he can just do whatever the fuck he wants anymore. And people are still going to have like they're still going to go see it. They're still going to like it. It's still going to look beautiful. So they could just do whatever they want. And they were just like, oh, we just want to make this movie because we think this is fun. People love this movie. Like people. I love this nuts movie. About this movie. Critics, though, like it's like a 60 on Metacritic. Like it's like, yeah, it's good. It's fine. It's whatever. It's a huge discrepancy between like the critical reception and the audience reception because I feel like people who have seen a lot of movies are like yeah like this is it's good it's like popcorn thriller and then other people are like god I can't I can't get over (laughs) like people on Letterboxd I'm I'm looking through the people who like this movie for like the game and people writing like review after review like my mind is still blown like like (laughs) I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's the fact that I'm older and more and more mature and wiser. But like, I'm picking things up the second time. I'm like, how do you not pick everything up the first time? <laughs> yes, yes. There's giant parts of this movie that I don't remember. Like, I I obviously know the twist at the end, right? Like, Wait, once you, you see don't it once, remember? Yeah, once you see it once, you you know that where where we end up at. Once you know the twist, I think some movies get more interesting because you're like, oh, I can see how that like not going to spoil the twist. I think people know by now. Like Usual Suspects has a twist, right? You're like, yeah, watching it again. You're like, oh, I see. Like it's more interesting here. It's like, oh, yeah, like yeah, like I don't have to. I don't have to pay attention to anything. It's like I know how this. It, it's like one of no, those like there's fun twists in this. You think? Yeah, when I was watching it this time because I like. I haven't seen it in forever. I knew the ending. And as like as I'm watching it this time, I like noticed that they're like, oh, she left without her shoes. And he holds up like guy's shoes, right? Every time that he says something weird, like the doctors all look at each other like, should we let him get away with this? Or should we like keep going? And like, this is how I was watching it this time. Because like, I know the end. So I'm not watching it to be like spoiled. I was finding it fun that there was some interesting little tidbits like that that they did do for the movie. It's not like I immediately wanted to watch this again. Right. Like, oh man, what did I not catch? Like, you know, like you watch like, like Memento. We talked about Memento, yep. right? And like, that's like, holy shit. Like when you watch it again, you're like, okay, like where are we getting and all these kind of things. But yeah. And I think the same thing with like, with seconds too. You're like, oh, now that I understand the rules of this world, I can pick up something more. And there's IMDb trivia. Like they have like kind of false breadcrumbs and they kind of red herrings where like, you think maybe he's not crazy, but like, I just think maybe it's once you know the twist or once you've seen enough movies like this, you're like, oh no, I get, like, I get it. I, I'm not surprised by anything. And like, there's, it's the foreshadowing of the things you're saying like that are effective, but it's like at the end of the day, it's just, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it's fair. Did you pick up the one major uh, majors, maybe a strong word, but major fast action. I have a couple. I don't know what you're thinking. The major one is I'm, okay. I'm going to guess that the tie is like the chain that symbolically. I do like that where he's just like, this is that we think like, if Dom's like, you know, I love, I love you, Letty, but this chain is ugly as shit. Like it just, you well, know. no, cause Elena does make the, like, why'd you get this for $20 sure. worth of silver? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think even a more direct, bigger fast action. Hmm. We got Sergeant Tanner in this movie, baby. Who, where's he at? He's the warden. So when, uh, not the warden, but he's like a jailer or like a, a guard or something. Uh, when Leo oh. goes to the cave and he like walks out and the guy's like, oh, there you are. And he's like on that cart. Yeah, that's uh, Ted Levine. That's Tanner from the first movie. Also from you know, Silence of the Lambs and everything. But yeah, he's, I was like, oh shit. Oh, that's right. It is, t- it's, it is Tanner though. Uh-huh. It's always been Solando, Andrew. Like, I, I just... 
like he's not a huge part. Like he's not like uh, you know Ben Kingsley or something, but he's you know eighth or ninth build, and he's got a couple like he's got that one long one on one scene with Leo in the cart. So I was like, oh, because I recognize his voice first. Like I knew he was in here. And I was like, where did they miss him? And then I was like, oh I no, totally there he is. Connected. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's not like Paul Walker's in the movie, but like pretty big. You know, no, pretty, pretty big for us. Our, the importance of the first movie, like pretty big, pretty big. Yeah, I agree. But what other? So I, I like the, the the necklace and the chain or the tie and the necklace. But uh, what else you got? Any, any other fast connections in this one? It being on an island took me straight to Lost, man. Okay. Are you still watching Lost or have you put that on the back burner? I, I've been watching reality TV and sports. I haven't right. forgotten about it, but I've been watching reality TV and sports. Like how far into season three did you get? Just a couple episodes? A couple episodes, yeah. Okay. But the doc looked like the doc from Lost. You know, like granted, it's definitely not the same one, but it uh-huh. looked very similar, like just like the way it was set up and it being on an island and the theme of being lost and like finding shit on the sure. island. What else? Well, we have a detective in the lead role. It's kind of like if Brian O'Connor were crazy and trying to solve a crime. Yeah, he's not. What is he? He's not a marshal. Yeah, he is a World War II soldier turned. No, he is a U.S. marshal. I know. I'm saying he's a marshal. Oh, Brian's okay, not yeah. a marshal. Yes, correct. He's just like yeah. He's just like a hard-boiled detective, essentially type, right? Like you know, a '50s like a. Yeah, yeah. Something that I found very familiar, especially because we just watched um, Hobbs and Shaw, all of the cross-table interviews, which I know isn't like a huge rarity but at the same time like they they felt very hattie hobbs type situation going on there if if leo says to one of those guys like i like the tango it's like oh okay I, okay I see, what, <laughs> I see what you're doing there hobbs and shaw okay or if hattie just writes run on his notebook and <laughs> yeah exactly exactly different movie altogether completely different well i have a joe connection to us is that what? he's married well, i forgot was in this movie he's married to the sad queen to michelle williams i was gonna ask if it was michelle williams blonde uh, michelle williams it's the sad queen. Who's always blonde. I, to be honest, I thought that it was somebody that wasn't Michelle, Michelle Williams. And when you were like tweeting about the movie and stuff like that, I was going to be like, would this movie be better if she was Michelle Williams? And it is. So I don't know if we not. told the story on this pod. We might have, but there, we watched another. So when we did Boy From Material, uh, the Ryan Gosling podcast, you know, Michelle Williams always like the hallmark of her things of like being in the most depressing shit of all time. Like she has like this, like, one of the like this for sure. Uh, one of the most devastating part scenes in any movie in the last decade is her scene in Manchester by the Sea, which oh, is like, yeah. oh my god. Yep. Uh, Blue Valentine is just like sobbing from beginning to end as you see that relationship come together as it falls apart. Like, yep. everything she's in is like, oh god, like she is an incredible actress who just finds herself in the most depressing shit of all time. Yeah, and we just always call her the sad queen because like anytime you need like a woman that looks like she's been crying for, you know, three months, Mm -hmm. you just cast Michelle Williams. So it's very on brand for you because the second or third episode of Boyfriend Material we did was this movie called Song the Song, which is a new Terrence Malick movie with Ryan Gosling and Michael Fassbender and who you were calling blonde Natalie Portman because you're like, this girl looks like Natalie Portman, but she's got blonde hair. It's like, yeah, because it's fucking Natalie Portman. Like, that's <laughs> it's not blonde. It's just Natalie Portman. Like it's not. This was so. this was wet Michelle Williams. Is what it, it was. Wet like Michelle Williams and ashy, like just like turning to literal embers and ashes, like as she like dissolves in his arms. Her wet doggedness of like her hair just being soaked and like her yep. clothes being wet took me for a little bit of a loop. I I did. I literally thought she looked like wet Michelle Williams, and it was. So she was wet Michelle Williams. Yeah, blonde, blonde Natalie Portman again strikes again. This movie does include a song that is very possibly my favorite song of my favorite piece of music of all time which plays a, 
couple times in this movie, but it first plays when he has a flashback to their apartment. It's the song called On the Nature of Daylight by Max Richter, which I had obviously seen in this movie before I saw it in Arrival, but it's this, it's kind of like the song in Arrival, and like I just love Arrival so much, the Amy Adams sci-fi movie Arrival. I love that movie so much in the way that that movie uses that song that like I forever tie it to that movie, and like this is an incredibly beautiful, incredibly depressing piece of music, and I'm like, no, nothing else can use On the Nature of Daylight because like it's just done. But this used it like six years earlier. Yep. And I didn't like, I mean, it, I still, still, you know, I, I love it. And like, I think it works here, but like, just it's not a rival. Also, the music video that they shot with Elizabeth Moss is also beautiful, too. So I've seen other things use it worse. And I'm like, okay, but yeah, On the Nature of Daylight, just like the six minute, beautiful, beautiful piece by Max Richter. So shout out to him and to that. So good, good, good on you, Scorsese or whoever your music supervisor was on this movie. Exactly. I like almost every actor. Like, I love Mark Ruffalo, yep. Emily Mortimer, who plays Rachel, and then there's Patricia Clarkson, who plays Rachel, too, the Rachel in the Cave. Yeah. I love both of them. We got Max von Sydow on here. We got Jackie Earl Haley. We got Ted Levine. We got the Zodiac Killer himself, John Carroll Lynch. Like, going down, it's, like, all just really solid, strong character actors. And again, like, it's the kind of thing where I'm like, this should do everything for me, and it doesn't. I mean, I get it. It's it's just, it's okay. Not everything's for everyone. I get yeah. it. I think I probably like this more than you liked Paris, Texas, but it's maybe yes. like it's a nice like inverse this week where it's like one of us loves one movie, the other one loves the other movie, and like while they are maybe on the surface similar, it's like you dig a little bit deeper. It's like they almost couldn't be. You know what I mean? They're wildly different. Yeah. yeah. If you put Paris, Texas through a blockbuster filter, if there was like a blockbuster filter that you could put on a movie you'd wind up with something closer to Shutter Island. Well, I think to your point from the last episode, they're both making these movies to win awards, essentially. Okay, okay. Right? Did this win awards? No, no. Okay. <laughs> so here, so here's two things about this movie that I also like just groan, groan. Like the one I put on Twitter, and this is not a shot at Scorsese or, Shutter or Leo, but like Dennis Lehane. So Shutter Island, talking about anagrams, is an anagram of truth and lies. Oh, I've heard truth this before. slash denials. And I was like, oh, fucking Christ. Come on, guys. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> I know. You hate shit like that. Like, <laughs> look look how smart I am. Like, oh boy, Shutter Island. Because, uh, like, you look at the, the spelling of, what's his name, uh, Andrew Latis, and it's like, no, nobody's don't, name is spelled like that. Yeah, nobody's name is spelled like that. Yep. This is the, what really drove me crazy. What? Go ahead. So it was originally supposed to come out in October 2009 to, like, be in the heart of award season. Be like, look at Leo, look at Scorsese, two masters at the top of their game. Uh, they didn't have enough money to promote it. <laughs> so, like, okay. they had made the movie, but they couldn't, like, do a marketing, like, an Oscars push the way they wanted. So, like, hey... We'll dump it to the, quote, doldrums of February, where there are traditionally very few, quote, intelligent movies released. I don't know if those are words that the studio used or just the way that, like, the sentiment at the time, but it's like, hey, fuck you, February. And I admit, February is, like, usually a terrible time for movies because, like, a lot of schlocky horror and just, like, leftover and, like, bad rom-coms released on Valentine's Day. But, like, Get Out came out in February. Like, there's, and Black Panther came out in February. Like, there's movies that come out in February that are huge now and things are changing. But I just hate that they're like, oh, let us treat the world to (laughs) a gem of an intelligent movie. An intelligent film. By putting this in February. Yes, I'm sorry, film. By putting this in February. So, like, we'll give them something to look forward to in the the cold winter. It's like, fuck you. Get out of here. (laughs) Piss right the fuck off. (laughs) 
when the peasants are watching watching their movies, you can go see a real film. But like this movie made a ton of money. Like it it made forty million dollars at opening weekend, which was a career best for Scorsese. It made almost three hundred million dollars worldwide, which again was his highest at the time. Both those numbers were beaten by Wolf of Wall Street a couple years later. But like ah. this was a very profitable, successful movie. Yeah, it's all the shit around it that just drives me crazy. I wanted to tell my story of going to see this movie. Like if I could sum up my mother in in one story, this is like very on brand for her. For some reason, her and I went to go see this movie in theaters. Because you were like, I want a little intelligent fare in my life. Yeah, it was February. There was no intelligent films in the theater. More like, we like Leo. And and I, I really enjoyed it, right? And I was like, oh, this is like a really cool movie. It was fun. And my mom walks in, and my sister was a little bit younger than us, and I don't know why she didn't go with us, but she didn't. And my mom walks in and goes, oh, Maria, we just saw this great movie. And it was called Shutter Island. I was like, yeah, it's really cool. When it comes out on like video or whatever, you're going to need to go see it. And my mom goes, it was him the whole time. <laughs> and I was like, or don't see it, because <laughs> that's you don't need to see it. But yeah, yeah. That that's like we like purposely don't talk about movies in front of my mom sometimes now. Like I, I also have friends like Adam that I've mentioned before. He's a good spoiler of things. He'll be like, "I'm not gonna spoil anything," but he's crazy. Like, <laughs> well, that's just as bad. So like, I remember years and years ago. I, I hope they fixed this, but I remember there was that move that Johnny Depp movie, like Secret Window or something, where he's like an author and what? Like it's it's exactly like, a spoiler for that. They don't see that movie, but like it's the same twist. Like, oh, he's an unreliable narrator. He's crazy but like you look at imdb it's like other movies you might like and it's six movies that have the exact same twist it's like what are you doing like <laughs> like I, i'm sure to a certain group of people you'd be like oh my god like i like i, I nailed it every time like this is amazing. like just like people who love thrillers and love schlocky stuff but are also like bro i can't believe i, I nailed the ending again <laughs> it's like imdb is nailing it every time you know what I mean? like i can't believe that I, another one where i got it right like i love these movies it's like yeah it's the same twist that's why i like on our favorite movie website like whenever you look at like um oh, yeah like the tags of stuff they like they hide the tags mind fuck like crazy the whole time or like mind fuck or like twist ending or you know like they have like very specific ones yeah this one has like nine or ten of those spoiler tags like there's a lot for this one and i always have to like watch the movie first because i'm like oh okay good and thank you for blocking this so that i don't see that like these are all the like related movies that have this bullshit in it too so yeah okay like there's it's just other giant debt movies thankfully but i remember like looking and being like oh my god like these are all it's all the same like you're spoiling <laughs> six movies yeah some other trivia about this so this was the screenplay and i don't know how to pronounce this name but by Lita. Calogridis, who is a Greek woman, I believe, based on her name, co-wrote the Alita Battle Angel screenplay. So she wrote the oh. screenplay for this, and she wrote Alita, which we covered earlier this lap. Very cool. cool. Very, very cool. Nice fast connection. Mark Ruffalo was cast because he sent Scorsese a fan letter saying he loved his work and would love to work with him. So it seems like, based on the trivia, that Leo and Scorsese like kind of made this movie together. Like They cast everybody together, seemingly. But they also considered Robert Downey Jr. and Josh Brolin. So not only do you have Hulk in the movie, but they Iron almost Man. had Iron Man, they almost had Thanos. Oh, that's true. I forgot he was Thanos, yes. So to answer your question from earlier, this is the only Scorsese-Leo movie with no Oscar nominations. Gangs in New York, Aviator, Departed, and Wolf of Wall Street were all nominated, and I think all of them were also nominated for Best Picture as well. But this one just got zero nominations. Makes sense. At one point, David Fincher was considered to be the director. So like that, it just, it feels weird. Like this feels kind of like a paycheck movie. And again, yeah. not a knock on Scorsese, but there's a lot of people like 
who it's the kind of the Hollywood one for them, one for me, where it's, you know, not, he doesn't need it because, like, he has enough clout that whatever he wants to make, he can make, right? Like, yep. he's like, I want to make a movie with, like, animated kids that's about clocks. It's like, okay, here's Hugo, or whatever Hugo's about. I don't know. But it's those kind of things where if you're established but don't have the free reign, you're like, okay, cool. I will direct Shutter Island for you, but then you give me $25 million and let me make whatever movie I want to make. And they're like, okay, cool. Like, we can, you know, we'll swing that, right? Yep, that's fair. It yeah. feels like that kind of thing here, but I don't know why a Scorsese were like a fincher like i guess they both like the idea of the psychological thriller i don't know they're later in their careers and they knew that this this is a very approachable accessible thriller that is going to be seen by a lot of people and not put people off it's a, yeah. it's a thriller for the masses is what it is and and like you have to accept that part of it yeah, I guess, like, there's a no-lose here, because, like, the worst, I think, is someone like me or just like, oh, yeah, like, I'm just never going to see the movie again. But it's not like I think less of Scorsese or Leo, just like... Exactly. The biggest downside is, like, I don't know why they did it, but, like, also kind of who cares? Yep, exactly. So. And you're going to get a bunch of people that are going to be like, oh, my God, this was the greatest movie I've ever seen. What else have these guys right. done? <laughs> And yeah. you're going to be like, oh, God, yeah. Like, I have friends who really hate that all of our best actors now go into Marvel movies, right? They're like, I don't know why we're wasting the careers of X, Y, or Z. That's not fair. I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, I like those movies, and I think that they're more than just, like, they're maybe not wildly more. I mean, it depends, but, like, they're more than just, like, popcorn flicks. But, like, you know, just kind of make whatever you want to make. But I, I can finally sort of see where they're coming from. Like, would I rather have seen Scorsese and Leo make a different movie than this? Yeah, absolutely. But, like, they've also made four other movies that, like, you know, I love, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, if you want to make this one for whatever whatever itch it scratches, go for it, I guess? Yeah, and get the bag, man. I never hate anybody for getting paid. I'm sure that they got paid on this fucking movie. Like, they were going to get paid on, like, Scorsese, and, like, they did a movie that they wanted to do with Leo. They were good. I'm trying to find how much he got paid for, so I'm just curious now. His salary is unknown. So, a lot. But the movie only cost $75 million to make, which is a lot, but also not crazy. And that also factors in actor salary. So, maybe 10, maybe. No, this 10, feels 15? like a movie. This feels like a movie that Scorsese and Leo negotiated royalties for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's only $75 million to make. And then the movie makes like whatever at the box office. And they're like, cool, we get 30% of that. You know, yeah, they make it points in the back end. Yeah, that's true. That's what I'm thinking. Any other thoughts about this, or do you want to watch the trailer? Um, them blowing the car up was the most Fast and the Furious thing that you could have happened have had had happen in this kind of movie. Is there a way that Dom could blow up a car using the necklace? Because he uses the tie. No, and Han's car blows up with the necklace in it. No, no, he no because it blows up and then Deckard throws the necklace in it. Yeah, yeah. Because yes. then, because then Dom gets it back when he meets up with, with Sean. Sean. Yes. And he gets the picture of Giselle, That's which right. somehow didn't burn. I think he throws a necklace and then the car blows up. Or like, uh, maybe. Yeah, I guess I would, yeah, he, does, he, does, he walks over to Han, I guess, gasping and bleeding and whatever. Yeah. Throws a necklace. Yeah, okay. So it seems that the necklace is impervious to bullets. It does. It's impenetrable. But it did have that, it did have that tracking tag in it. I want the necklace to become like a James Bond thing. Where it, like it has like all these multifunctions, actual spy functions, right? Like it's like well, like what oh, else could it do? So it acts as a tracker already. Yeah, it has like a, a camera in it, and it has a microphone, and it has a knife, and like a laser. You know what I mean? Like it could be like the laser watch, 
and like a knife and it could be like a detonator and it could be the bomb you know what? i would love to see them uh redirect a laser using the uh the crystals on it even though they they seem to be not real diamonds yeah what if there's like a point where they're like we need cubic zirconia to redirect this and then we just get to <laughs> then we just get to them entrapment it's just entrapment Catherine zeta jones shows up entreesment entreesment yeah exactly yeah she just like you know pirouettes and dances through lasers again it's like okay yeah sure yeah and dom's just holding the the cross just like moving it all around the the room i'd watch it fast and furious 37 yeah and at that point Catherine zeta jones might as well join this franchise right sure why not yeah all right, we are going to watch the trailer. This is from some watch culture entertainment. I don't understand how, like, this feels like a big enough movie that the studio that put it out, or movie clips, or someone, yeah. should be the most. But, like, no, it's just watch culture entertainment has 11.7 million views. Shutter Island official trailer HD, 2 minutes and 22 seconds. Let me know when you got it ready. I'm ready, whenever you are. Three, two, one, play. Okay. Oh, it's, it's a widescreen trailer. Oh. Oh, it's got a little Apple logo in the, in the bottom right. It's filming. I remember when, like, finding trailers used to be, like, a big thing. It's like, oh, shit, like, Apple just put up some new trailers. All I know is it's a mental hospital. But the criminally insane. Mental hospital. I like that the styling that they used to shoot this. It looks like, it feels like in this way, like, a Stephen King adaptation. Like, a lot of this, like, it's like, oh, up in Maine or whatever. Yeah. Like, just kind of northeast United States kind of gloomy and dour mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like that shot of the, the i'll say crazy lady just felt like in the movie too like manipulative like look at her with no hair it's like oh that's sad yeah yeah oh also ben kingsley in iron man 3 as the mandarin so another mcu i mean everybody's in mcu right so yeah the whole flashback to him like killing Nazis so is probably not so necessary in this movie. I think it's just supposed to show trauma, I guess, but he's got enough trauma going on in his life. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's just, like, bonus trauma. I'm honestly surprised that this movie is not streaming for free anywhere. Like, you can rent it anywhere for, like, three bucks, and, like, I, you can get the Blu-ray for, like, six bucks, but, like, I'm surprised that, like, it's not in three, like, even, like, on a Tubi I or a Cracker so or somewhere ads, right? Yeah, I, I, like, looked on Just Watch for it, and I was like, damn, there's really not anywhere it's free. This is a game. I got freaked out every time he put the it, it, uh, an arm through the bars. It's like, that's a bad idea. Like, stop doing that. <laughs> yes. Don't put your fingers in the in the cage. Uh-oh. Let me see your face. We thought that was Christopher Maloney, by the way. I can see that. Yeah, the guy that has the scar down his face. Wouldn't you agree? When you see it's also the kind of thing where, like, you see a guy with a scar down his face, and, like, that's all you can kind of see, right? She's like, oh, yeah, he had a scar on his face. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, February, where there's no intelligent films. <laughs> when there's no intelligent films, exactly. I will say in advance, good luck. The Letterboxd game. Oh. So for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, not the most locked film, that might be Parasite, but the, the, our, our baseline for this game yeah. has been seen by 677,000 people. 677, okay? Yes. Shutter Island from 2010, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Ruffalo, Ben Kingsley, and Emily Mortimer, and of course the sad queen herself, has been seen by how many people? Uh, I will say average rating of 3.94. It's high. That's pretty high. Pretty high. 145,000. You got to go way higher. Really? 
425,000. Still got to go higher. 503,000. Still got to go a little higher. 515,000. 537,068. Yeah, this is one of those where it's like, oh shit. Like Everybody seen saw it. this. Yeah, everybody saw this movie. Out of those 537,000 people, average rating of 3.94, most common a 4, oh. then a 5, then a 3.5, then a 4.5. How many people have it in the top four? I will tell you. I, I found a screenshot. None of my friends. And just the, the, the wording on Letterbox is funny. That's why I posted it. But yes, like, yeah. none of your friends are fans of this movie. You know, I found a typo in there. It just, you know, that just means that like, not that none of my friends like the movie, but just none of that none in the top, the top four. four. But yeah. how many out of those 537,000 have this movie in their top four? This is really hard to gauge because Letterbox is usually full of film snobs. But a ton of people have seen it here. I'm trying to determine how many of these people on Letterbox I think are men in college wearing a tank top right now. I will tell you that a lot of the profiles I clicked on were like generically good looking dudes with cute girlfriends in their profile picture. It's like, yeah, like I get that you have a cute girlfriend. You need to put her in your letterbox profile picture. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 4,500. You're close, but you're too high. 3,750. You might as well. I, I don't know a specific number, but it's 3,800 something. 3.8K. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I like that we went from like being like Milton's Secret 2 or whatever it was or 0 or whatever to like suddenly, you know, we're like, not that we did Parasite, but Parasite, 22,000, Paris, Texas, 5,000, Cheddar <laughs> Island, 3,800. It's like, okay. Yeah. So we're going to Maya's profile at Recitless on Letterboxd. Okay. Two reviews. It's one of those movies that leave you shook for like a whole week after watching. It. <laughs> <laughs> Contains the most iconic plot twist ending ever. Leo should have won an Oscar for this. If you ask me, five stars. Okay. Then, later that year, I was shook even though I already knew what was going to happen. <laughs> wow. This is honestly one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Five stars. I love this movie. That reminds me, like, there's the scene that was in the trailer, too, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where, like, that girl goes up to Leo. She says, that was the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. And, like, he just, like, oh, like he bites his fingers. Like, oh, God, like, I really nailed it. Like, that girl's, like, seven, right? Just, like... <laughs> How much acting has she seen? But anyway, we're going to go to Maya's profile. <laughs> okay. There's, it, this was so hard to pick because there are so many where it's just like, oh yeah, those are four of the biggest movies of all time. I found what I think is like the most in our wheelhouse. Okay. I'm not going to give any clues, but these are three movies that we have, uh, you know, Shutter Island is her first movie. Yeah. But her three other top three are just like three huge movies. The Matrix. Nope. But you're not, I mean, just keep going. Like, just keep, like, get, make five guesses and I probably you'll get at least one of them, I think. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Nope. Um, Actually, they're all between, not that this is necessarily going to help you, but there's one from 99, one from 04, and another one from 2010. Uh, the Game? No, but you're close. That's a little bit too early. What was the movie that Fincher did after The Game? We talked about it. Do we talk about it here? Fight Club? Yep. Fight Club number three. Okay, yeah. Her location on Letterboxd is at David Fincher. So, okay. She lives David Fincher. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, cool. So we have another movie from 04 and then another movie from 2010. <sighs> Huge movies. Fuck. Let me think. Let me one think. of which we did a podcast about. The other one of which I did a podcast about that you were not on. I don't particularly like either of these movies. They're both okay. One of them is like this in that it's a movie, although I think it has a better reputation than this by far, but it's a movie that people are like, oh my God, that's the best movie of all time. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's I, I enjoy it, but it's not as good as people think it is. I, I At least I think. It came out the same year as Shutter Island and also stars one of the people from Shutter Island. The Dark Knight. Nope. Same director, though. It's another Christopher Nolan movie? Uh-huh. 
I can like I, I can never do the like next jump in that sequence that I'll be like okay you know, it's like, the oh, movie it's... he made between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises Inception uh huh okay that that's makes the one where I'm just sense. like yeah I get it like it's cool <laughs> but like he's made like every other one of his movies is better than that but okay yeah Inception I'm sorry I should have got Inception off the rip that was the next movie like it's like yeah, Leo doing year same Leo like oh wow Inception's been seen by nine hundred twenty five thousand people holy no shit. way holy fuck that's the highest number I've seen. Yeah, that's incredible. Wow. Number four is a movie that we have podcasted about, which yeah. I mentioned. You're not going to remember this, but I mentioned, I referenced in the Paris, Texas episode. Oh, no. Who's in it? Give me somebody in it. Well, we've podcasted about it for a reason. Okay. Not on this show. Yeah, so is it Zeph or is it... There's only three choices. Goss. It's from 04. So it, you know it's probably... Actually, there's only one person it could be of the three people we've done. Goss? Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, it could be other people, but, like, realistically. Is it Only God Forgives or Drive? No, no. Think the biggest movies of all time. The Notebook? Yeah. Oh, God, yes! Shutter Island, Inception, Fight Club, The Notebook. Beautiful. Like, this is the kind That's of person who, like, has 12 DVDs. You're like, yeah, those are the 12 big, like, Forrest Gump, Finding Nemo. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, hey, have you ever seen this other movie? She's like, nope. And she's just like watching Finding Nemo on loop. You're like, yeah, it, it, like it makes you happy. That's cool. She's probably honestly way happier than either of us are. You know what I mean? She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, 95% of the people on the planet are happier than I am. Like living just, a blissful. Yeah. Like yeah. internally, but, yeah. but like definitely. Yeah. She is way happier than I am. I'm, I'm in for, I just want to feel weird. I'm going to watch Shutter Island again. I just want to feel weird tonight. <laughs> Shook <laughs> for weeks. All right, Joe, next week, speaking of weeks, next week are rescheduled Fast and Furious Crossroads with Nico and Kevo on Tuesday. Okay. Which, by the way, will release on my birthday. Oh, happy birthday to you, sir. Thank you. And then releasing, I want to say, the day after Rachel's birthday, because hers is the 17th, right? Yeah. So the day after Rachel's birthday, well, I guess the episode technically will come out at 11 p.m. Central Time on Rachel's birthday. So if she wants to go, Ooh. like, west of the Mississippi, she can uh, celebrate this new release. Because I know she listens to every ep- one of our episodes, like, immediately upon We're going to start driving on her on her birthday like as far west as we can get i've thought about like where could you start like how many how like how long of a day could you have while dry i mean i guess the closer you are to a pole the easier it would be because you can just like keep like like i guess if you're at the north pole like you just like run around in a circle you're like oh i'm all i'm in all time zones or whatever right but like (laughs) yep exactly like in the u.s like could you go from like eastern time zone to pacific in one day of driving like if you started like literally on the border of each Midnight. and like you come close you could do three i don't think you could do four, no we four talked about it we, t- we talked about when people were doing the um the fucking cannonball it was like oh, 28 hours or something right normal people driving i know but i'm saying like even if you were driving top speed it's gonna take you more than a day but yeah but you're also starting in new york like you're starting like 10 or maybe like eight hours east of the time zone difference oh so you're saying start like in Pennsylvania, Ohio, West if Virginia. If you start, like, in Cleveland, which yeah. is, like, as far west almost as you can get. Okay. You could definitely do all four if you're a madman. Yeah. Yeah, you could. You could. And so get to, a... like, just the edge. Like, so you just have to get past, like, Vegas, pretty much. Well, I mean, Vegas is Pacific time, too. So, like, you just have to get to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. You could do that. For sure. Yeah. You have a 28-hour long day. All right. Yeah. Then go the other way and have a 20-hour long day. Anyway, Crossroads, Tuesday. Then on Friday, we have another patron pick, our last one of the lap which we will have a very special guest for, whose name I'm about to say, say Christian it. Larson. He's not been on the podcast for a while, but he picked oh. a Christmas movie that we are doing for this lap. We're doing The Long Kiss Goodnight. Have you seen this movie or no? No, I have not seen this movie. It is great. Is it really? I want to say it's a Shane Black movie too. I'm going to confirm that. Rennie Harlan directed, but I want to say Shane Black wrote it. 
Yes. So Shane Black, who also wrote The Nice Guys, Iron Man 3, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Lethal Weapon, Monster Squad, The Long Kiss Goodnight, which is a Christmas movie, thematically seasonally appropriate for us, with Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. So yeah, great movie. Ooh, Samuel L. We don't get enough Samuel L. on this. And why the fuck isn't he in the Fastiverse, by the way? I don't know. He's been in 201 things on Letterboxd, and if you go to IMDb, probably like 250 things, but... Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm in. But yeah, Tuesday, Fast and Furious Crossroads, and then Friday... The Long Kiss Goodnight. And then, you know, we're in the end game. No pun on Samuel ha, Jackson ha, and Nick Fury. Ha, but ha. Uh, we've got a handful of episodes left where we're doing our, you know, tune-up and lifespan and some other stuff, bonus stuff coming up after that. But, uh, yeah. we got lifespan coming soon. That's right. With Nico and Kevo. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I want to know what voices they're going to pick. I didn't look at the chapter yet. You have to read the chapter. Yeah, I don't know. Chapter is six, maybe? Seven? Six? Six, six or seven sounds right. Any other thoughts about Shutter Island? I think that if you want an intelligent film... <laughs> that you should go watch, watch something else. <laughs> Yo, you should go watch Shutter Island immediately. If it was like 25 minutes shorter, if it was less than two hours, I would be like, yeah, you, you know what? But like, it's it's long. It's a long it's ass long. movie. It's long. It's long. It's beautiful. It's just, it's long. Uh, this is it's a long week of movies. If you watch Paris, Texas and this, that's almost five hours combined. Like it's 225 or whatever and 218. So big, so big week of long movies. Yeah, of, for sure. I'm sorry. Films. Films, yeah. Intelligent films. For all things intelligent films, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash too fast too forever, or at too fast too forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at too fast too forever.com. Check out our store page at Linktree, whatever, too fast too forever. You'll find it in <laughs> Public. Come back next week for Fast and Furious Crossroads and for the long kiss goodnight. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you again.